1965. So today we're reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 3, The Status Quo, Chapter 19, The Killing of the Demon Hiranyaksha. And this is text number 32. I'll just chant the Sanskrit a couple of times and we'll do the word for word responsibly. Maya yuna yatanuktam avadite hare krita vatarasya sumitra chastitam yatahiranyaksha udara vikramo mahamride krida kridanavan nirakritaha maya yutan maya yatanuktam avadite hare Kritavatarasya sumitra chastitam Yatahiranyaksha udara vikramo Mahamride kridanavan nirakritaha Maya yudhanak Maya yatanuktam avadite hare Kritavatarasya sumitra chastitam Yatahiranyaksha udara vikramo the word for word, please repeat. Maya, by me. Yata, as. Anuktam, told. Avadi, was explained. Te, to you. Adahe, of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Krita Avatarasya, who assumed the incarnation. Sumitra, O dear Vidura. Too bad our Sumitra Madhaji is not here to hear her name chanted. Sumitra, O dear Vidura. Chastitam, the activities. Yata as Hiranyaksha Hiranyaksha Udara very extensive Vikramaha prowess Mahamride in a great fight Kridanavat like a plaything Nirakritaha was killed. Translation by His Divine Grace to the Prabhupada. Maitreya continued, My dear Vidura, I have explained to you the personality of Godhead's coming down as the first boar incarnation and killing in a great fight a demon of unprecedented prowess as if he were just a plaything. This has been narrated by me as I heard it from my predecessor spiritual master. Please repeat. My tray continued. My dear Vidura, I have explained to you the personality of Godhead's coming down as the first boar incarnation and killing in a great fight of demon of unprecedented prowess as if he were just a plaything. This has been narrated by me 
as I heard it from my predecessor of spiritual master. And here's the insightful purport by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. Here the sage Maitreya admits that he explained the incident of the killing of Hiranyaksha by the Supreme Personality of Godhead as a straight narration. He did not manufacture anything or add interpretation, but explained whatever he had heard from his spiritual master. Thus he accepted as bona fide the system of parampara, <clears throat> or receiving the transcendental message in disciplic succession. Unless received by this bona fide process of hearing from a spiritual master, the statement of an acharya or preceptor cannot be valid. It is also stated here that although the demon Hiranyaksha was unlimited in prowess, he was just like a doll for the Lord. A child breaks so many dolls without real endeavor. Similarly, although a demon may be very powerful and extraordinary in the eyes of an ordinary man in the material world, to the Lord, killing such a demon is no difficulty. He can kill millions of demons as simply as a child plays with dolls and breaks them. Maya yata nuptam mavadi te hare krita vatarasya sumita chastitam Yatahiranyaksha udara vikramo mahamride ki dhanavan nirakritaha. Maitreya continued, My dear Vidura, I have explained to you the personality of Godhead's coming down as the firstborn incarnation and killing in a great fight a demon of unprecedented prowess, as if he were just a plaything. This has been narrated by me as I heard it from my predecessor, spiritual master. Mukum karoti bachalam pangam la gayati gidim jatkripa tamaham bande si gurum madinatarinum So, should one hear from the bona fide spiritual master? Yes. Should one repeat uh, what he has heard and what he has learned in parampara from the spiritual master? Yes. Should one speculate and add or subtract various things from that message? No. Not at all. Uh, should one become then simply a parrot and only mouth words he has heard without understanding their purport? No. Should one use his creative intelligence to apply what he has learned and uh, in his own words express what he has learned without changing the meaning? Yes. So this is what Srila Prabhupada wanted the devotees to do. You read my books, you study my books, then you preach and you express what you've understood, but in your own language, in your own words, utilizing your own intellect and creativity and your own thought process. Yes. That does not mean changing the message. Prabhupada sometimes would call it old wine in a new bottle. Uh, 
that is an expression. We don't touch any wine uh, whatsoever. Just like we were hearing yesterday about the uh, logic of half a hen. Now the farmer had the hen and it was very expensive to feed the hen but the result was he was getting the eggs and then he was selling the eggs. So then he didn't, he only wanted the half of the hen that gave the eggs but he didn't want to feed the other half. So that's the logic of half a hen. Or in the parlance, in contemporary parlance, we would say devotees, why don't devotees eat chicken? Because it has eggs in it. <laughs> so, one can, one should assimilate the message of the spiritual master, and in this case specifically, in our case specifically, um, this means to very scrutinizingly understand, read, study, and assimilate what Prabhupada has given in his books. This is very important. He emphasized this. And then we can repeat that message and give it to others. Does that mean one should only read aloud from the books word for word in preaching to others? No. No, that is not the system. But one should thoroughly grasp the message and have a thorough mastery of the philosophy and what is explained in Prabhupada's books, then one can present it in various ways in order to attract and convince conditioned souls about the message of Krishna consciousness. So that is actually required. But one should use one's own uh, intellectual abilities, whatever one has, one's ability to speak, uh, in the service of the Lord. It is said that everyone has four things at their disposal. Their uh, money, their intelligence, and their life, and their words. So one should use one of these or all four of these things in the service of the Lord. So if one has some money, one should use that money for the service of Krishna. Although generally speaking, our devotees in our temples don't have much money. But whatever one has, one should use that in the service of the Lord. Uh, similarly, one should use one's intelligence, diya. What, how does that go? Prana, Arta, Diya, something. Prana means the life, Arta means the money, Diya means intelligence, Bacha, Bacha, the words. So, if one has some money, he should use it in the service of the Lord. Like Srila Prabhupada was instructed by Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati in 1932 in Radha walking along the banks of Sri Radha Kund, which is the most sacred place in the universe, according to Nectar of Instruction. Uh, they were walking along the bank, and Bhakti Siddhanta was somewhat troubled by the uh, devotees in the Gaudiya Math, in the Calcutta Gaudiya Math. Israel Powell. Oh. Oh. <laughs> 
call early, don't they? That's the painter. Yeah. So, um, he's saying that the devotees, we used to be living in the house in Ultadunga Junction, which is a rented house, and every, the preaching was going on very nicely. And then someone, some merchant, gave a big donation, and they built this beautiful palace in Calcutta, a marble temple. And uh, so then it came to the point where the inhabitants of the temple, the members of the Gaudiya Math, the disciples of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, they were quarreling and fighting over who shall get this room, who shall get that room. And in this way there was contention and argument and dissension amongst the members of the Math, of the temple. Not a good situation. So, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati was not pleased. He was disgusted with this neophyte behavior. And he said, Agun Jwalde, there will be fire in the Gaudiya Math. He could detect. And his words were prophetic indeed, because after his uh, passing in 19, at the beginning of 1937, then immediately there began competition for who is the next Acharya. But he did not appoint the next Acharya, and he did not say someone should become the next Acharya. Although he was a great Pratishta Acharya and the founder of the Gaudiya Math. You know, he said they should work together and form a governing body commission and work jointly, uh, cooperatively, to execute the preaching. But they did not follow his instructions. Therefore, Prabhupada said, these different factions, they became asara. It's a Bengali word, it means useless. Because they were no longer preaching and carrying out the orders of their spiritual master. But they were fighting over his material assets only. Uh, who will control this? Who will, be, who will get the property? Who is the next Acharya? Uh, who, who will control the properties? Who gets the money? So, um, they became asara, useless. But Srila Prabhupada kept himself aloof from that fray. And uh, he was writing books, he was writing his Bhagavad Gita commentary, <coughs> which was actually stolen, and he had to write it again. The manuscript was stolen from his house in Calcutta. A mystery that was never solved. And why someone would steal such a manuscript is a mystery. So, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati said, and that temple has very nice marble, uh, stone marble walls. And he said, better to sell the marble, pry it off the walls and sell it, and use the money to print books. And then he told Srila Prabhupada, if you ever get money, print books, an instruction that entered deeply into Srila Prabhupada's heart. And later, when Prabhupada began ISKCON in 1966, uh, he continued writing and translating. And then as ISKCON began to grow, and there were some resources there, then he began to print and distribute books. And he emphasized this. Uh, very pointedly. 
Uh, he wanted his books to be printed and distributed. And this is substantial preaching. So before he came to America, he didn't want to come empty-handed. He wanted to have some books on hand. So he didn't come until he had printed the first three volumes of the Srimad Bhagavatam, first canto, parts one, two, and three. And then when he had accomplished that, he thought, okay, now I can go, because I'm armed with the books. There's something substantial to show, and this potency of these books, which my Guru Maharaj wanted books published and printed, and preaching to go on in this way. So that is the, uh, just like Vaisheshika Prabhu's book, Our Family Business, that is the inheritance of ISKCON, is the business of printing, distributing Srila Prabhupada's books. <clears throat> Very nice arrangement that Srila Prabhupada has made. And sometimes in preaching, Prabhupada would say, what your two-minute speech will do, but if someone gets a book, then he has something substantial in his hands, and that book can go on and act. Either that person will read the book, or they'll put it on their bookshelf, and someone else will read it. Like that. My brother gave me uh, Prabhupada's Bhagavad Gita that he had bought a few years before on the street from a devotee in Rochester, New York, and gave him $10, which at that time, 1973 or so, 74, it was, $10 was something then. Not now. Now it's nothing. <clears throat> Although we have our friends come to the Sunday feast and put in some little change in the donation basket sometimes. A quarter. <laughs> They used to sell the BTGs for a quarter or 50 cents. <coughs> so this is the principle of parampara that uh, Maitreya uh, is explaining and Srila Prabhupada is emphasizing um, that one should receive this knowledge in disciplic succession. And this is the same thing that Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita. Evam para para praptam imam rajarsiyobidu sakalanena mahata yoganashta parantapa. And sometimes, even though Krishna has given this message and it's fully potent, fully spiritual, due to the entropy of the material nature uh, and this deteriorating quality, then the knowledge is sometimes lost. And therefore he comes himself to rejuvenate this system of bhakti yoga in human society. Or he sends his representative. So Lord Krishna came himself 5,000 years ago. He spoke Bhagavad Gita. And then he came again just recently as Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he demonstrated what it meant to live the life of Bhagavad Gita. What it meant to become a devotee. So that Krishna explains also in Bhagavad Gita. He says, Manmana Bhavamad Bhakto. Just think of me and become my devotee. It's not like a, a polite request, it's an order. That Manmana, you think of me, Bhavamad Bhakto, you become my devotee. Uh, and this way achieve perfection of life. <coughs> so this, the Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said a similar thing 
In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, there's one very nice statement by the Lord. We mentioned this recently. He says, I order every man in this universe to take to and distribute this Krishna consciousness movement. That's right out of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. So that is the duty of everyone, of every human being, uh, to accept this knowledge of Krishna consciousness given by Krishna and Bhagavad Gita and given by the Acharyas and demonstrated in the practical application by Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to take it up and having once understood it then endeavor to spread it to others. So you could say that is the sum and substance of this Krishna consciousness movement. And become a devotee of Krishna and distribute this Krishna consciousness to the best of your ability, as far as possible. And anyone who takes up this order of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, becomes successful in their human form of life, and they're able to go back home, back to Godhead. The Lord is highly appreciative of those who spread the Krishna consciousness movement. And Krishna says the same thing in Bhagavad Gita at the end, that um, there is no one more dear to me than one who explains this message of Krishna consciousness to others. Uh, there's no one more dear to me than he in this world. So, Priyakrita uh, Maha is the most dear person to Krishna. So if we become dear to Krishna through this process of helping to spread Krishna's movement, then Everything is guaranteed for us. We don't have to worry about our destination. Uh, it is guaranteed. Prabhupada said that if you follow the regular principles, chant your 16 rounds, and serve this Krishna conscious movement by helping to spread it, then I guarantee, he said, that you will go back home, back to Godhead. He said this in Los Angeles. And then he said it again. I guarantee that you will go back home, back to Godhead. Just to emphasize the point, in case someone wasn't paying attention or didn't, or thought it was just a casual statement, and he repeated it explicitly, I guarantee. So, uh, what better guarantee can one have than the guarantee of Srila Prabhupada, the most confidential servitor of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who has done uh, the most to carry out the Lord's program of spreading the Krishna conscious movement in this uh, dark and difficult time in Kali Yuga. So it, it, it cannot be overemphasized that it behooves each and every one of us to, to the best of our ability, grasp this philosophy. Uh, and assist Srila Prabhupada in distributing the Krishna consciousness movement to others. Actually, it's interesting that we had this fire and someone might become depressed. Oh, we had a fire. Oh, we're closed. But uh, a lot of good publicity came out of this fire. Plus, um, many, many people came forward to offer financial help to assist the temple. Uh, 
and getting back up and running, getting the restaurant back in action. And that is an extra opportunity for them to render service in a way that they may not have ordinarily. If you say, please come and give money for books, please come and give money for the deity worship. Well, you know, maybe, maybe not. Oh, you had a fire. Oh, how can I help? How much? So people immediately become inclined to assist when there is some uh, disaster or some difficulty. Then they want to give for a good cause. And so many people have come forward and are still coming forward. Even there's one man here, Malcolm. He's a retired British gentleman. He rides a motorcycle. And he would come every day while the restaurant was opening, open. And so now he, he's still coming, even though the restaurant is closed and he's doing some sheetrock work and some construction, because that was his profession previously. Although he's a very elderly gentleman, not a young man. Um, but he likes <clears throat> the prasadam so much that he wants to make sure that it's open again. So he's personally rendering service to assist in that process. And that is very wonderful. And that's something he may not have ordinarily done as render service to the temple, except he's rendering a service by you know, buying his lunch. And now he's coming and he's doing sheetrock work. And so just see, um, because he's very attached to Krishna Prashad. So that's a wonderful uh, manifestation of the, the bhakti is actually in the gentleman's heart and he's cultivating that bhakti by rendering service. <clears throat> Even though he would never become, you know, someone who would, you know, assiduously study Prabhupada's books and chant his rounds and rise early and do all those things that we all do or we should be doing if we're not. Um, he would never do like that in this lifetime. But he's rendering that service. So next life, Bhakta Malcolm. Next life. He may take his birth in the family of devotees because his devotion to Krishna has begun. And he is making some progress on that path. even though he's an old guy and probably attached to so many different things. <clears throat> it's much easier to preach to young people because they haven't become so ensconced in their uh, modus operandi in life. And someone who's older becomes set in their ways and they're not willing to hear and make some sacrifice or perform some austerity in order to advance. But a young person is like, well, okay. You know, I can sleep on the floor. I can get up early, I can, that's fun, go to Mangalarti, yeah. Of course, if we cultivate that when we're young, then we can do that throughout our life and continue that into our old age as we are experiencing. <laughs> and that is saving us because we see that those who are not habituated to this culture of bhakti, they spend their time in very unproductive ways and they are like their own worst enemies because of their various habits and attachments, uh, unfortunately. Uh, so the Krishna consciousness uh, practice and culture is very auspicious 
and it assists one throughout one's life. Uh, helping one to keep the feet on the path of transcendence and not to veer off the path and go off into the material energy to be carried away and flung, up, flung up upon the uh, rocky shores of sense gratification. The second one is carried by a wave and smashed up against the rock. And that is very inauspicious and one is doomed if that happens. But if one's feet remain firmly treading on the path of bhakti, then one will not be carried away by the waves of sense gratification and dashed upon the rocks of hopelessness, which is the ordinary course of activities for the conditioned soul as the body grows older. Bhaktivinoda Thakur sings about this. How the senses are no longer fit to enjoy sense gratification, one becomes hopeless and filled with despair because one is attached to trying to enjoy the senses. But the senses, uh, they don't give good payback because they no longer have the power to enjoy. And then one is left frustrated and hopeless in one's endeavor to become the supreme enjoyer because one has pinned all one's hope and one has invested all one's energy in the senses. Uh, so that one is misled in that way. But when one is fixed up in Krishna consciousness, then the bodily situation is not an impediment to one's devotional service. One becomes fixed up, nishta, within oneself, uh, in Krishna consciousness. Something that Krishna mentions several times in Bhagavad Gita. How one is unshaken and undisturbed even when there is the cause for the greatest disturbance. So when there is something that can really try one's patience and one's uh, ability to cope, a Krishna conscious person remains fixed in their determination. Sthita dear muni uchite. Such a person is called a sage of steady mind. And even in the midst of the greatest disturbance, there is no deviation. Uh, there is no rocking of the boat because the heart is fixed in bhakti. And that is a very desirable state to attain because the nature of our life, our conditioned life within the material energy, there is always so much upheaval so much consternation, so much uh, rocky roads to traverse. But one who is Krishna conscious is undisturbed by these things. And one who is not Krishna conscious is so disturbed by all these things. And that is the condition of the average person. They're so disturbed in their mind and senses by the uh, volcanic eruptions of the material energy. And it comes into everyone's life. Whether you invite it or not, it comes into your life. Just like there's that one poetic saying, into every life some rain must fall. So no one is exempt from uh, the threefold miseries of material existence. 
But the devotee is able to ride that storm, to ride that wave, uh, because he is fixed in something that is completely beyond the material energy. And therefore he has firm shelter at the lotus feet of Krishna. And that shelter protects one from all sorts of calamities. Even Queen Kunti prayed, Oh, I don't mind the calamities. Bring them on. Because whenever there's some, like, big conflagration, and everything's just going to hell, then Krishna, you appear there and assist us. So therefore we pray, bring it on. Let the calamities come. Because whenever there's calamities, we always see your lotus feet. And when we see your lotus feet, then we shall not see repeated birth and death. Isn't that a beautiful expression that she makes? All right, so there are various things happening today. The painter's coming on time? A little later? A little later? Oh, okay, I thought we had to stop early for him. And I know you have a conference call. Oh. TEP was here? Yeah, well, here I am running out of gas, and we still got plenty of time. This is not the way I usually do it. Usually I run out of gas way past time. But let's open the floor for discussion. Sir, I just want to put this. He was in the kitchen also. He's got a couple projects going on. We were speaking of the glories of, because of this fire, that people who ordinarily wouldn't come to render service are now rendering service, mostly in the form of donations. But Malcolm is giving us time because he wants, you know, you guys hurry up and get open again so I can come here for lunch every day. <laughs> that word uh, guarantee? Yeah. I had forgotten that Krishna Prabhupada uses it also in his translation in 1868. For one who explains the supreme secret to the devotees, pure devotional service is guaranteed. And at the end he will come back to me. And Krishna said, it's, the Sanskrit is a samshaya, without doubt. Prabhupada says it's guaranteed. Now this morning, I had a, a, a connection with both distribution. It's one of the funnier encounters I've had around in the neighborhood. So I was walking down Glen with uh, Akita and my Jaffa bag. And I go down uh, Glen, approaching Park, so the corner of Glen Park. So I see this guy with his dog. It always starts with his dog, right? And hopefully it ends up with God. <laughs> so That's called the change-up. <laughs> so it was a guy I met before. And uh, I said, uh, how's, how's your dog doing? <laughs> oh, he's great. I said, is he a mutt? And the guy says, we're all mutts. It was his wisdom of how we're all mixed. You know? so, uh, so I said, you hear about the fire? He goes, no. He said, it go business? I said, yeah. So he said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And so, uh, how, did, how did it go? Oh, I said, yeah, because uh, so many people are coming forward to help us, we're giving back to the community. So I want to give to you today, Eric. His name is Eric Christian, uh, with the Bhagavad Gita. And so I said, oh, this is beautiful. You made my day. Thanks so much. And then, then he said, you know, when my mother and I lived in L.A., 
and we go to LAX. We used to meet you people, and they used to, used to give us flowers. Flowers. So I told them, and then I had a dream that um, that I was going to give some Krishna's flowers. So we had a bird of paradise and a passion flower in his hand. So he said, so I'm going to give you a flower today, Rich, and then I'm going to tell my mother this is the perfect, perfect uh, cycle. You know, you're giving me this book. Now I'm finally taking the book from the Hare Krishna. You know, because they used to just laugh at us. You know. <laughs> but now I get a book, and you get a flower. And so Krishna is so uh, he's so creative the way he gets these ideas out. You know, it's, it's so nice. Thank you for that. I think you're saying that to be judged the same time as our first email. Anyone else have any <clears throat> comments or questions or realizations about? What we've been discussing here this morning? Did you want to say something about Prabhupada leaving India? Already did, you missed it at the beginning. You must have did. I wasn't that late. You were late enough to miss it. <laughs> I did speak about Prabhupada leaving India. Okay. On the Jaladruta, August 13, 1965. Friday, Friday, 13. The luckiest day in the history of the world. <laughs> Okay, so thank you all very much. Shilvalpad Kija.